Ask Aubrey is supported by Eliza and Wild. Eliza and Wild creates all natural, high potency CBD products designed to give you targeted everyday self care inside and out. Their ingestible and topical CBD products are consciously designed with all natural and intentionally sourced ingredients and fully recyclable packaging. So it's good for you and for the earth. And y'all, Eliza and Wild literally does not have a single product that I don't love. I have them all and everything smells and tastes incredible and is made with ingredients that I can feel good about putting on and in my body. I take the CBD and MCT oil drops daily and they help me to really keep my anxiety and my tension under control. And they also have a line of amazing CBD topical products including this lip balm that I am truly obsessed with. And like, did you know that CBD actually has anti-inflammatory properties when you apply it directly to your skin? Because I didn't until I started to use this lip balm and it is changing my life. And also it smells amazing, which we all know is really important. And I know that you're going to love these products just as much as I do. So when you grab yours at elizaandwild.com, you can use the promo code Aubrey15 at checkout for 15% off your order. That's elizaandwild.com, E-L-I-Z-A-A-N-D-W-Y-L-D.com. And make sure to use code Aubrey15, that's A-U-B-R-E-E-1-5, for 15% off. I'm Aubrey Henderson. I'm a recovering people pleaser turned self-worth coach here to help you befriend your inner critic, break up with people pleasing, and reconnect with your desire. Every week, I share my answers to your questions, live coaching sessions, interviews, and more to help you reconnect with your self-worth. Have you ever felt stuck in your life and just needed a really fucking good pep talk? Well, babe, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Hey babes, welcome to this week's episode. I want to share something with y'all this week that came up in a conversation with a prospective individual coaching client and that I think will be super helpful to you. It's been super helpful to me, you know, over the last probably five, six, seven years of my life. It's something that I use on a daily basis. It's something I use with clients all the time. And, you know, because it was at the top of my mind this week as I was having this conversation with this client, I thought it would be helpful to share with you here just as a, you know, little helpful nugget for you to carry into your week. So to give you a little bit of context, I, you know, when I'm about to start with a new individual coaching client or when someone reaches out to me and is interested in my coaching services, I basically have an initial kind of consult conversation with them. And so what this looks like is basically me sharing a little bit about myself, about my services, about my coaching philosophy and my approach to the work. And then the prospective client will share with me about, you know, what made them reach out for a consult with me? What, you know, makes them interested in coaching? What are they struggling with? What kind of goals are they working toward? And, you know, what are they hoping that coaching is going to help them with? And, you know, ultimately the goal is that, we can decide coming out of that conversation whether it feels like the two of us are a good fit to work with one another. And so 
in this particular conversation, this client was sharing about some challenges around interpersonal relationships and specifically dating, um, which, as you can imagine, comes up a lot in work around self-worth. And, you know, this person was sharing that, you know, in their dating relationships, there is some feeling of, you know, being hyper aware of sort of gaps. And so one example was like, you know, if they text somebody and that person takes a really long time to text back and, you know, the thoughts and the feelings that come up in that gap are really indicative of low self-worth or feelings of like, you know, they're not into me. Um, you know, they're not responding because they, you know, don't want to reject me outright, but that's what they're thinking and sort of catastrophizing and filling those filling those gaps with something, right? Or, you know, this feeling of really wanting to pour yourself into something, but the other person doesn't necessarily kind of meet your level of enthusiasm, right? And as we were talking about that and as we were, you know, as I was kind of walking this client through some of this and and asking questions and digging deeper... One of the questions that I asked, I realize, is one that's super powerful and is one that I use, again, with my individual clients all the time. I think we would, I would probably be hard-pressed to find a client of mine who I haven't used this with. Um, and really this concept that comes up for me when we think about, you know, places where our thoughts go to, you know, feelings of low self-worth, feelings of, you know, negative self-concept or not having a lot of self-confidence or self-value is about the stories that we're telling ourselves, right? And so what I mean by that is like in this example of like you've texted someone you are into and they take two hours to text you back. What's happening there is that we don't have a lot of information about this situation. We've sent somebody a text. We have sent that message out into the ether to that other person. And we are waiting for their response. And we are not getting a response back. That is a lack of information that we have. And as human beings, our brains feel more comfortable if there is a complete narrative, if there is a story that kind of fills and spans the gap. And so, you know, when I send a text to someone and the person hasn't answered me yet, there's not a story there explicitly, right? There's no information except that the person hasn't sent you a text back. That's the only information that you have, and it's an absence of information. And so what our brains do, thinking that they're trying to help us, is that our brain will complete that story and fill it in. And for people who are kind of natural catastrophizers, which I would count myself among that group, um, we like to fill in the blank with the worst case scenario. And that's not like for fun. That's not because the worst case scenario feels good, but it feels like the worst case scenario is like, well, you know, might as well assume the worst because one, the worst is, I guess, possible. And two, because it feels better than assuming something better and being wrong and the worst actually has happened, right? And also, if you're somebody who struggles with self-worth, then your brain is often kind of instinctually going to fill in with a story, with information that is tied to a low sense of self-worth, right? So in this example, if I've texted somebody and two hours have gone by and they haven't texted me back, 
it's a lot less comfortable to leave that story blank and say, I don't know. I don't know why they haven't texted me back. And it can feel more comfortable and it's often more instinctual to say, I wonder what happened. Let me think of what might have happened. That person doesn't want to answer me and they've read my text and they think that what I said was like so ridiculous and so stupid and they don't want to answer me. And so they've just like, they're just ignoring me at this point or they're mad at me. And so they don't want to answer me because they're mad at me and they're just, they're so mad that they're not going to answer or they've been hit by a bus and they're dead. And that's why they're not answering me is because they're dead, right? It's our brain filling in information that we don't know to be true, that we're not able to confirm, but that our brain is putting in there, is, is creating a narrative to make us feel more comfortable. And often, and in the case of this client, the narrative that her brain is filling in is actually making her less comfortable. So she's coming to me saying, I don't like this. I don't like the thoughts that I am having. And I think that's actually a sentence she said to me was, I don't like the thoughts I'm having around this when somebody doesn't text me back for a couple of hours. And, you know, I don't, I don't know why, but I fill in the blanks of like, I'm not good enough. They don't want to be with me. I'm never going to find anybody. All of that catastrophizing and attached to low self-worth, negative self-concept, all of that. And I bet, I would bet a lot of money that anybody listening to this can probably relate to this in some way. Maybe it's not exactly like, oh, someone doesn't text you back and you think, oh, they, I'll never be enough for them or whatever. Maybe it's not that. But we've all had those moments, right, that our brain is filling in the blanks with something that is not real. These are the stories that we tell ourselves. And we can fill these in anywhere in our lives, in lots of places, right? Anywhere that we don't have information. It's not just in this like very easy example of, you know, sending a text message and not getting one back, right? We can fill in the blanks about this, whether it's, you know, that we aren't getting promoted at work and we aren't sure why. And so we tell ourselves oh, it's because my boss doesn't like me or it's because I'm terrible at my job. Or, you know, it's because, I don't know, any number of reasons, right? And a client will come to me with that and say, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know why I'm not getting these opportunities. I don't know, you know, why I'm not progressing. I don't know why my boss isn't giving me a raise. I don't know why I didn't get picked for this committee. I don't know why. And we'll sometimes jump to a conclusion of like, oh, I must not be good enough. Right. It must be because I'm not competent. It must be because they're mad at me for this thing that I did and they haven't forgiven me. It must be because X, Y, Z thing. And my pushback on that to the client who would share that would be, okay, it sounds like that's the story that you're telling yourself. And that's not to invalidate it. I think as with a lot of things that I say, it can sound a little sarcastic. Some of that's just my style. Um, And to some extent it is, right? It's like, yeah, that's the story you're telling yourself. But it's not meant to be dismissive because I think the stories we tell ourselves matter and they're powerful. And they mean something about the thoughts and beliefs we have about ourselves, right? I think the stories that we tell ourselves are clues to kind of what the baseline feelings and sense of self and sense of you know, who we are in the world and ourselves in relation to others, the stories we tell ourselves show what those beliefs are. They give great clues about what those beliefs are. If you're somebody who 
is deeply secure in yourself. And this is somewhere where I like, I'm sorry, I know there are like straight cis white men who listen to this and I love you, but also like you're, I feel like often you're like average like mediocre white guy who like has the confidence to apply for a job that he's only like 15% qualified for, but is like, I'll figure the rest of it out and somehow fucking gets the job or like just like puts himself out there so confident. The story that person tells themselves, if they are deeply secure in themselves, if they feel confident, if they feel like they can conquer the fucking world, the story that person tells themselves when they text someone and the person doesn't text them back, the story they tell themselves is likely to be very different from the story that the person tells themselves who is deeply insecure, who has struggled in previous relationships with being treated really poorly, being gaslit, being abused, being cheated on, having trust issues, right? The stories we tell ourselves are going to be informed by our experiences and by our sense of self. So the person who is deeply secure, who maybe doesn't have a traumatic or hurtful experience, And if I don't text them back for two hours, the story they might tell themselves is like, oh, I bet she's busy. Right? The story might be, oh, I wonder if her phone died. Or like, oh, you know, she's got other stuff going on. She'll get back to me when she can. The stories we tell ourselves can be that straightforward, that neutral, just completely value neutral. And so if I'm talking to a client who is wanting to work on this, who is, you know, noticing that they're having thoughts or feelings about, you know, the stories that they're telling themselves, things that are coming up for them around this, and they want to change this, there's a couple things I would recommend to them to do. So the first thing is to be able to acknowledge this is a story I'm telling myself. And with my clients, this is something I, I sometimes am the first person to name this for them, but the goal is for them to be able to name this for themselves. And that is the goal for you listening to this, right? Is that, you know, when you are in a moment where these kind of thoughts come up of, you know, well, this person isn't answering me and I don't know why, I assume it must be because X, Y, Z thing, is to stop yourself, is to be able to pause. And I feel like this is so much of what I'm telling people to do, is just to fucking pause and stop and say, okay, is this something that is fact-supported? Like, do I have tangible facts and details to support this conclusion? Or is this a story that I'm telling myself? And just stop and have that moment. Because a lot of the time, when someone tells me, well, so-and-so didn't do this because they feel this way and this way and because they don't care about me and because I'm worthless... That's often not supported by data. It's not supported by facts. It's, there's nothing that you can point me to that actually supports that being true other than beliefs that you have about yourself that you are using to color in a picture that is not complete. And so there is that first step of identifying, okay, this is a story I'm telling myself, right? And giving yourself some grace for that, first of all, because again, this is a natural function of our brain. We are uncomfortable with ambiguity. We don't like not knowing shit. We don't. And so what we want to do is we want to fill in that gap. We want to fill that in with something because that feels better, even if the something we're filling it in with feels shitty, it feels better than not knowing. 
And so give yourself a break for doing that, but recognize that you're doing it. Because what you have to do next is say, okay, it's a story I'm telling myself. I would like to get the complete picture of information. It's acknowledging, like, I, I want to be able to fill this in, but with, with accurate information, right? And there are some scenarios where you can get that accurate information. So if we go back to the scenario with, you know, someone's, like, not doing well at work or their boss isn't recognizing them or whatever it is, and the story you're telling yourself is, well, my boss doesn't like me or my work isn't good. And if you're able to say, okay, hold on, my boss has never actually told me that. I don't actually have any reason to believe that. That's a story I'm telling myself. Now, how do I get that information? In this scenario, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it's not, this is not to say it's easy, or, but it is simple and straightforward, which is to ask for feedback, right? It's to have a conversation with your boss around, you know, hey, I wanted to get, you know, I wanted to get some feedback from you on my work. You know, I don't, we haven't really had a conversation in a while about, you know, any any thoughts or feedback you have for me on my work, whether you are feeling good about the work that I'm doing, whether there's anything I could be doing better, right? It's that conversation that then creates the opportunity for that person to share feedback with you. It's inviting that feedback. It's inviting the person to fill in the picture for you, right? And that's not to necessarily say that your boss is amazing at giving feedback, and I'm sorry if they're not, but... You have the ability in that scenario to ask for it. And there are lots of scenarios where you can do this, right? Where you can seek out the information because you're acknowledging that it's creating discomfort for you not to have it and you're filling it in with your own thoughts, which aren't feeling good, right? So that's that's one piece. There are also scenarios where you might not be able to get the information. And whether it's because you ask for it and the person's not giving it to you, you're seeking it out and you can't figure it out, if it's the example of sending somebody a text and they're not answering you, you're not going to be able to get much information about why they're not answering you probably until they do eventually answer you. And so there are some scenarios where we have to make a decision to be comfortable temporarily with not knowing. And we have to decide, and really you have multiple options here. You can decide And if you're listening to this and if you're working to change this pattern, you probably don't want to sit with the story you're telling yourself because it doesn't feel good. The story I'm telling myself that this person isn't responding to me because they're not into me. They feel sorry for me. They think I'm pathetic. I'm not good enough. They're with someone else that they're more interested in than me. Those stories don't feel good. So I'm going to say we don't stick with those. Let's not take that option, although it's always an option. I could not tell myself any story. I could decide, okay, I'm going to temporarily allow myself to sit in the discomfort of not filling in this picture, of not having a story, of saying, I don't know why they're not responding to me, period. And that also might not feel good, but it is working from accurate information. Or alternatively, You could go to a place where, and this is one that I think will take practice and work for somebody, especially who, you know, might be more oriented toward catastrophe or toward, you know, telling yourself stories that, you know, come from a place of negative self-concept, right? But you could also choose to tell yourself value neutral or even value positive stories. So if it feels more comfortable to fill it in with a story, 
Maybe you fill it in with a neutral one or a positive one. So going back to the overconfident, mediocre white guy who thinks, oh, this person hasn't texted me back. They're probably busy, right? This person hasn't texted me back. You know, it's probably because they're just waiting until the right time, whatever. And to be clear, anybody can have that value neutral thought, right? Anybody. You can. You can insert a value neutral or value positive story and thought into that space. You can make a decision, and it doesn't have to be your instinctual decision. It's okay if the kind of the gut place that you go to, right, is is catastrophe, is, oh, they're not answering because they hate me. Hold on. I'm, I told myself I wasn't going to do this because that is just a story that I'm telling myself, and I can replace it with a different one. And sit in that for a minute. Sit in the discomfort of that, of recognizing this is what my brain is doing. I don't want to sit in this. What can we replace this with that feels okay? Or at least insert the possibility of another story next to it. Maybe the catastrophic story doesn't go away. Maybe it still lives in there. Maybe you're like, yes, that's a possibility. Or, you know, it could be that they hate me and never want to speak to me again. It could also be that their phone died because I know that they never charge their phone. So their phone probably died. It could be that they left their phone on the charger and went out for a walk. They like to take walks. It's probably that. It could be that they read my message and then got distracted by something. And they're, you know, they're doing whatever other thing they need to be doing. And they'll get back to me when they can. But not letting the catastrophic story, and especially the one that's rooted in a place of, of negative self-value and, you know, crappy self-concept and, you know, nasty, icky beliefs about yourself, don't let that be the only story that kind of lives there. Don't let that live by itself. I'm okay if at first you have to allow that to be a possibility or one of the possible stories, but don't let that be the only one. So to give you a little recap, this is what I'm suggesting. The next time that you are operating with incomplete information, especially when it comes to a relationship with another person, something that's important to you, where you don't have all the information and your brain immediately wants to fill in that story, as brains love to try to do, with something catastrophic, with something that is rooted in you know, insecurity, with something that's rooted in negative self-image, when your brain goes to fill in that story, I would challenge you to pause for a second when that is happening. And first to be able to even recognize it in the moment is huge. And to say to yourself, and I think you should say it out loud if you can, but you don't have to. It's also okay. I'm a verbal processor, if you couldn't tell. But to say, that is a story I'm telling myself. And then to take a minute and see if you can't conjure another story to tell yourself. Or dare I say, even get comfortable with the idea that you don't have all the information and that that's okay. And that doesn't mean you need to fill in the blank with something awful. And instead, let yourself sit in the space of, I don't have all the information. And if you can get the information, then get it. It's okay to ask people questions about things. I think we forget that. I think we feel like we're being annoying if we're, you know, 
asking somebody, oh, do you have feedback for me on this thing? Or we had this conversation and I left it feeling kind of like I wasn't sure how you felt about it and would love to hear, you know, what you took away from that or how you felt walking away from that. Did that feel okay for you? It's okay to ask people things. I just want to name that. I know that's like a a big point of insecurity for people and we feel like, you know, us getting our needs met is being annoying or being high maintenance. It's not. It just asks people the fucking question. It's okay. It's okay to ask for what you need. It's okay to ask for what you need. I'll say it one more time because I really, I really want you to hear it. It's okay to ask for what you need. I hope you find this helpful. Again, I personally use this all the time, probably at least three or four times a day. I have this. So this is also not something that's like, (laughs) sorry, it might never go away. um, No matter how far you kind of progress on your own journey with self-worth and, you know, how you relate to yourself and how you're kind of shifting and changing your mindset. This might be something that shows up for you forever. I think it's going to be for me. Um, But I really find this tool helpful. I really do. And I hope it's helpful for you too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review, and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy, worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson. And I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty rad. Or you can send a good old fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babes.